Welcome to Tell Me More Live, the recorded version of our live storytelling night at the Push Comedy Theater in Norfolk, Virginia. In this recording... All right, guys, I'm going to bring up your next storyteller. He's another really good guy. He does a lot of stuff here at the Push Comedy Theater. Give it up for Randy Rose! I do a lot of stuff here, but this is kind of a unique um, show, and this is my first time telling a story on stage like this. Um, and it's, it's very different from the last one. Um, so when I think of destiny, I, I kind of think about, you know, the, uh, the end goal, right? What's the thing that you wanted to do? And, and uh, when I saw the, the title, I was like, well, you know, when I was a kid, if, if kid me met today me, I'm 35, so if, if 10-year-old Randy met 35-year-old Randy, what would he think? You know, that's kind of where my mind was going. And so my story really starts like when I was a little kid. And uh, I guess it kind of starts with my parents. My, my mom got pregnant when she was in high school with my older sister um, and had her when she was 18. And as you can imagine, it was not the healthiest relationship between my mother and my father. Um, and uh, so they were having some marital problems and they decided, hey, maybe another kid would, uh, would really help us out. Uh, and that's where I come in. So um, my parents are divorced. So I'm the kid uh, who couldn't save his parents' marriage. Um, <laughs> So in a, in a weird way, that's, that's kind of my destiny. Um, <clears throat> but uh, I think because my dad wasn't around a whole lot when I was a kid, and my mom did remarry when I was about six or seven uh, to my stepdad, uh, whom has actually been on stage here before uh, and who I get along with really, really well. We're very good friends. Uh, at the time, you know, it was, it was tough for me. You know, it was tough to have a new guy in my life that wasn't my father. And so I turned to other father figures, uh, and the one that, that strikes me that, you know, the, the guy that I wanted to be when I was a kid was Indiana Jones. So to me, and to most kids, Indiana Jones is an archaeologist, right? I mean, most people think Indiana Jones, they think archaeology. In reality, he was an anthropology professor at a university and a treasure hunter. So I, it started with me consuming the movies. I love the Indiana Jones movies. Um, as most of you know, George Lucas films, right? So great character writing and all this stuff. So I really, I started the movies. Uh, but then I started consuming, there was, was actually a comic book. And I started reading the comics. And then I started reading the novels. So I got really engrossed in this world of Indiana Jones. At the same time, you know, I'm like 10, 12 years old. Still, I'm reading like Encyclopedia Brown and all these other, you know, kids. But I had this idea of this guy, like, right, this guy's really, really smart. He's like the smartest guy around. And everybody goes to him when they have a question or when they need a puzzle solved. And on top of that, he's, you know, punching Nazis and stuff like that. So, you know, this is the kind of guy that, like, what kid wasn't, doesn't want to do that, right? So, so to me, like, my, as, a, as a 10-year-old, I'm like, that's what I want to do when I get older. I want to be the guy who knows everything that everybody else goes to. Like, that's my job. I just know shit, and I get paid for that. And I have this awesome office with a big mahogany desk and one of those red leather chairs with the, the holes punched in it, right? The gold, like, I don't know what they're called, but, you know, you know rivets or something, right? Um, <laughs> And, and there's books, you know, there's just books all around. And, and uh, people come in, they ask me a really difficult question about the Etruscan period of Italy or some shit. And I'm like, oh, I know that. Hang on. I come back here and I pull a book down and I say, well, if you, you, know, if you look in this novel, that, uh, this book that I wrote, if you look in the chapter of this volume, um, the answer is clearly in front of you, right? So that, this is what I thought was my destiny. This is what I'm going to do someday. Well, it sounds good. Right, uh, and then reality hits. Went through you know high school and everything, and, and uh, my stepdad was a, a, in the military. He was in the navy. He was a ma- he retired as a master chief, 
And so, as you know, military families move around a lot. So we were up in upstate New York for a while for most of my high school. And then when I was about to graduate, my stepdad got orders back down here. So he had to move here in the beginning of my senior year when I'm supposed to be planning what I'm going to do for college. And it was a tough period for me because my, my mom and my stepdad, you know, they said, hey, you know, we'll help you go to school if you move back down to Virginia with us. Um, but I was in love with New York. I, I loved upstate New York. I said, you know what? All my friends are here. I finally have a life. I, I was, you have to understand, as a kid, I was a huge nerd. I got, when I lived down here in, in elementary and middle school, I got beat up a lot. Um, I got, I got you know, like just picked on. I was in this like, little shell, and I would go home, and I would you know, read these Indiana Jones books and, and Encyclopedia Brown or whatever. It, actually, this is kind of embarrassing. But I used to enjoy reading the encyclopedia, like the actual encyclopedia. That was like a pastime of mine. Um, so, as you can imagine, like, I wasn't very popular and stuff. So, in New York, I kind of came out of my shell. I had written a comedy show that I performed in three out of four years in high school, and I had friends and, and all this stuff. So, I didn't want to leave New York. And so, I told my, my mom that, and, and, uh, and she's like, All right, well, you know, if you're not going to come down with us, you know, I, I can't really, I don't know what I'm, you know, I can't really help you. So, I literally, the day I graduated, my my mom and my stepdad drove off in a moving truck, and I was there by myself in New York, kind of fucked. Like, I was like, I don't know what I'm going to do. Um, I had a girlfriend at the time that didn't work out, um, but for a little while I lived with her, and then, you know, for about a year and a half, I, I pretty much couch surfed. I lived with my dad in Connecticut for a little while and helped with his business. Um, I lived with some other friends, but I literally, you know, slept on people's couches. I did make it into college. I went to a state university in New York. I made it through one semester before I ran out of money. And this is what's tough. I went, I, did, I literally, I took acting classes and anthropology classes. That's all I took. And the anthropology classes I took literally were archaeology classes. And I realized very quickly that archaeology was not for me. Digging in the dirt and looking at pieces of pottery is, uh, as you can imagine, is extremely boring, right? It's like the, literally the worst, um, or figuratively the worst. But for me, it felt like, you know, about the worst. So, uh, so I make it through, and, and, and my pride kind of got in the way. I made it through that one semester, and, uh, and I, I ran out of money. And I couldn't, I had no credit. I couldn't apply for a loan. I was too proud to get a cosigner. And so I quit. I gave up on my dream of being, you know, the next Indiana Jones. I bummed around for a little while. You know, I, I worked some construction jobs. Um, I've actually moved to Texas. I worked with wild animals. That was pretty cool. Um, but I was homesick for New York. And, and I came back, and I, for a little while, I lived with my friend's mom. Uh, she didn't charge me rent. She just made me do stuff around the house. So I, she had a slate roof. I fixed her roof. Uh, I mowed the lawn. I fixed the pool. I put, installed a new washing machine. I did all this stuff that she wasn't married. So you know, I did all this stuff that, that she needed done around the house that she didn't know how to do. But the catch was, you know, that uh, I ended up having to move out because I actually got kicked out because she owned the house with her ex-husband. And when he found out I was living there and I wasn't paying him rent and I couldn't afford to pay rent, you know, he was like, you need to get out. So that was the winter of 2002 in upstate New York, and I'm living in my truck. I parked in Walmart parking lots because they were the only store that didn't kick you out. They were open 24 hours and they didn't kick you out of the parking lot. I parked down dirt roads if, uh, if I felt like the Walmart was going to catch on. Um, sometimes I would park in trailer parks. It's amazing, you know, that they don't recognize one up, extra beat-up, nasty old truck. Um, probably just thought it was, you know, a broken-down truck of some sort. So, uh, so I'm living in, in, in the winter. I have a cap. Luckily, I had a cap on the back of the truck. 
Uh, I had an army issue sleeping bag and a kerosene heater. I had all my shit in the back of the truck. Um, but for about three months, from uh, just after Christmas through, uh, through March, I smelled like kerosene because I put that heater on every night and I slept in the truck. Uh, I lied to my girlfriend, who's now my wife. I lied to her. I said I was still living with Susu. I lied to Susu and told her I was living with my girlfriend um, because, again, pride got in the way. My, my parents still to this day are pissed off at me that I never you know, told them or, or asked for help. Um, so it was interesting. You know, I kind of gave up. And then I, I found, you know, after a while, I was like, you know what, I can't do this anymore. I'm going to go, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to change some things. I went to the Air Force. I was going to go into the Navy, so all the Navy vets in here don't be mad. Um, this is a Navy-rich area. Uh, I was going to go into the Navy, but like I said, my stepdad was a retired Master Chief, and I called him up and I said, hey, the Navy's offering me $60,000 to come in as a nuke. And uh, he said, don't do it. You will end up on a sub and you will hate your life. I was like, okay, I guess I'll go into the Air Force then. So one thing I didn't tell you was in high school, I, on top of like all the nerdy, you know, book reading and, and other things that nerds do, you know, game, I played a lot of games, tabletop games and things like that. I also built computers. So in, in 1994 with my stepdad, I built my first computer. In 96-ish, I was building other devices, um, electronics. I had a home electronic kit. I loved electronics. Um, so I built a lot of stuff back then. Uh, 97, I was in high school. I hacked my first network. It was my high school network. I built an Unreal game server so I could play it at any computer lab in the school along with two of my friends. Um, so I don't know if you guys remember Unreal Game Tournament. We hacked some, some servers and we, we built our own game server. I hacked some, uh, the network, sorry, and built our own game server. Um, so I had this kind of weird skill, right? Uh, I was hosting LAN parties. We were getting together and playing Tom Clancy games and stuff. So I had this weird skill that I, I never used. Uh, I would trade sometimes. I went to this tattoo parlor in Saratoga Springs, New York, and I'd be like, hey, you guys give me free tattoos, and I'll set up your point-of-sale system, and I'll fix all your computers and shit. So I would barter for stuff like that, but, but I wasn't really doing anything. I was doing construction and stuff like that. I wasn't doing anything for computers. But I ended up in the, in the Air Force doing computer stuff. Um, and while I was in the Air Force, they trained me in cybersecurity. So I get stationed in Cheyenne, Wyoming, and, I, and I'm, I'm like, ah, this cybersecurity thing, it's kind of, I don't know, it seems kind of weird. I don't know if I want to do this. I think I'm going to go back to school. There's this tiny little community college called Laramie County Community College in Cheyenne, Wyoming. So I roll in classes there, and I, I see this class, like Old Testament history or something. I'm like, all right, cool. I need an elective. That sounds pretty good. So I signed for that class, and lo and behold, my professor is a world-renowned anthropologist, a guy named Mark Elliott. So he becomes my mentor. And he talks me into doing stuff, like things that I thought I had given up on. I was like, nah, I can't do this. And, and, and I just had to get out of the military, and he's still my mentor, and I'm still talking to him. And he's like, no, you need to go back to school. You're really good at this. You need to go back to school for anthropology. Everybody else is like, you're out of your fucking mind. Cybersecurity is the future. You got to do the cybersecurity thing. So I'm like, okay, all right, I, I, guess, you know, I guess I'll do the cybersecurity thing. So I do that for a little while, and I, I get out of the Air Force. I go to some certification classes. I get really good at the cybersecurity thing. But my heart's still in anthropology. I end up going back to the university that kicked me out for not paying my bills. Um, for some reason, they let me back in. I still don't know why. Uh, they let me back in. I paid off all my bills. I go through the anthropology program, and it l starts to land me some really interesting jobs. So I get a job for the state of New York to be a pen tester. And I got a pen tester is, a pen, is literally like a, a bank robber, right? It's an ethical uh, cyber you know, criminal, essentially, right? You, I got paid to break into networks. 
So it was really interesting because they're like, in the interview, they're like, wow, we're looking for somebody who can emulate bad guys, who can think like a bad guy. And I'm like, well, I got this anthropology stuff that, you know, I mean, that's what I train in is understanding other people and cultures and how they work and how they think and what, what, how to get predictive. Like, what are they going to do given this scenario? Um, so I have all this training, but I'm also this computer nerd. And they're like, you're the guy, right? So they hire me for this job. I worked there for five years. And then I decided, my wife and I decided that, you know, we were going to move down here. And, um, and it lands me another job down here, another really interesting job. I, I now run the intelligence department. Uh, I got about 100 sailors, 90 sailors and 10 civilians um, at Navy Cyber Defense Operations Command. I do cyber defense, but my job is to know people. I think about the people, right? My job is to understand the people on the other end of the computer. These aren't computers attacking us of their own volition, right? There's somebody on the other end, and they're motivated by something, right? They have a national objective or military objective, and they're using computers to, to, to achieve that objective. But it's my job to understand who they are and how they think and, and look at them through, really, their cultural lens. I can't look at them through the American, you know, ethnocentric lens. I have to understand what... What motivates China to, to do the things that they're doing using cyber? What motivates Russia to do the things that they're doing, right? What motivates um, Iran, North Korea, all these uh, adversarial countries? But what's interesting, so anthropology is, is literally the study of people, right? It's, it's the study of man. And what's interesting about it is, as a leader, particularly in a military environment, you get to define the culture Right? It's not just about understanding the culture. It's defining the culture that you want. We're the first service cybersecurity entity that has an intel department. So I literally get to build the culture from the ground up. I'm using everything that I went to school for in anthropology because of Indiana Jones, because of my obsession with Indiana Jones. I get to use all that stuff every day. So there really isn't... I guess a literal moral to the story, but, but if there was, I, I would say don't confuse your path with your destiny. You may not take or even understand the path that you're on, but sometimes you may end up somewhere that you were destined to be and you took the most whack-ass roundabout path that you could have but maybe it was the right path. Or maybe it was the path you needed to take to achieve your destiny. And I, I don't know that my destiny is to be the intel officer at a Navy command. I'm going to continue you know, to explore new things and, and move new places and try, you know, try new things. But it's kind of strange that you know, 10-year-old Randy wanted the job where he was the guy who knew stuff it's like, I just sit in an office and people come ask me questions and I know shit. Like, that's my job. And literally, that is my job. So, if you take one thing with you, just, you know, don't confuse your path with your destiny. Uh, you might be on the right path, and chances are you are on the right path. You're on exactly the path that you need to be on. So, that's my story, and I'm sticking to it. Thank you. like to tell a story like this one or just enjoy the show visit tellmemorelive.org that's tellmemorelive.org where you'll find a list of upcoming shows plenty of ways to pitch your story and 
our podcast featuring storytellers from previous shows. Until next time, thanks for listening to Tell Me More Live.